Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you, our worship team. Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to take a couple of weeks here and really not do a Christmas series. I'm just going to preach a couple of Christmas sermons. Today, I'm really going to do almost a quick doctrinal message where I talk about uh, some doctrinal issues as much as anything surrounding Christmas. So and so today, I want to preach on this subject, the Christmas man. The Christmas man, Matthew chapter 1, we'll turn there in just a moment and we'll read the story of the birth of Jesus from Matthew's perspective. What I want to get across today is this idea. There's only one man that could be our savior and his name is Jesus. And really the, the opening story of, of the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus tells us that it could have only have been Jesus. Well, have you ever gotten a present you didn't want, or have you ever wanted a present you didn't get at Christmas? I heard about a husband and wife, they were, they were shopping in the mall, and they'd been there for a while, and as husbands were prone to do, he disappeared. And so the wife picked up the phone and, and called him, and he answered, and she said, honey, we got a lot to do, where are you? He said, well, honey, do you remember 10 years ago, we were in that jewelry store in the mall? She said, yes, I remember. She said, you remember, he said, you remember that, that diamond necklace that you saw in the jewelry store and you loved it so much? And she said, yes, yes, I remember. He said, do you remember that you said you wanted that diamond necklace and uh, we couldn't afford it? We didn't have the money for it on that day. And now she started to get a little teary eyed and a little quiver in her voice. And she said, yes, baby, I remember, I remember He said, you remember I told you that if we ever got the money, I was going to come and buy that diamond necklace for you. And now she's full blown in tears. She said, yes, baby, I remember, I remember. He said, I'm in the yo-yo shop right next to that store. (laughs) Sometimes Christmas doesn't turn out the way you want it to, right? You don't always get what you want. As a matter of fact, uh, it's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for all of us. We know this when it comes to Christmas, that 46% of people, that's half of us, have lied about liking a gift. That means you've got something on Christmas Day, You've got it from your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your kids, whatever, and you've opened it and you've said, I love this gift. And deep down inside, you didn't. Now, the other 54% of you, you're just cold as ice, best I can tell. Because I don't know what y'all did. I don't know. Do you look at your wife and go, I hate all this so much. Take it back. No, I don't know. But um, we know this about Christmas time, that 62% of Americans buy all of their gifts the week before Christmas. So let's do a survey. How many of you have all of your shopping done? Can I see your hand? It's all done, ready to go, right? All right. Put it How many of you have done none of your shopping so far? Let me see your hand. Oh, I got several. I got several. All right, get more power to you. All right, and here's, here's a stat I love about Christmas time and gifts. 
51% of Christmas shoppers buy gifts for themselves too. So that's why you're doing the shopping voluntarily, right? It's like one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. Good for you. And then we find out this, 14% of Americans say they have to sell possessions to fund their Christmas spending. I'm just saying all of that to say that Christmas is a lot to do with giving. There's a reason the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world he gave. So now let's, let's have a moment of honesty here. Let, let's take a survey. How many of you have already received a gift that you don't want? Let me see your hand. Anybody? So you're afraid to admit it because you've been to one party, right? <laughs> and so you, I'll ask that question after Christmas and see what happens. Let me ask you this question. How many people plan on buying something for yourself? Can I see your hand like you already got? Now, see, y'all are just not honest. Y'all are, it's, y'all are just not being honest. I'm not going to force you to lie. The problem with Christmas gifts is we often get not what we need and not what we want. When we roll into that first Christmas gift in Matthew chapter 1, we find exactly the Christmas present we needed. And it became the Christmas present we wanted. I'm going to talk about the Christmas man this morning. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 1, look beginning in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. The fact is, really, the most important phrase in Matthew chapter 1 is that last phrase I mentioned. They named him Jesus. Now, he's not the only person in the Bible that's ever been named Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, we see in the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament name Jesus was the name Joshua. It meant the Lord saves. And there had been, or salvation is of the Lord, or salvation has come from the Lord. There had been other people that had been named Joshua or or Jesus in the Old Testament because uh, salvation had come through them. Maybe it was the deliverance of Israel or maybe it was deliverance from some one particular thing. But when we get to Jesus and we're told about Jesus in the New Testament, when the angel said, you'll call him Jesus, it was not going to be one kind of deliverance that was coming from God as it had been in olden days. 
It was going to be ultimate deliverance that was coming from God, ultimate salvation that was coming from God, eternal salvation that was coming from God. So when we start talking about the Christmas man, we have to understand there's only one man that could fulfill this mandate of being the Savior of the entire world. And I want to tell you this morning, Mohammed did not fulfill that mandate. Joseph Smith, who formed Mormonism, did not fulfill that mandate. Buddha does not fulfill the mandate of the Savior of the world. What made Jesus, in particular, fulfill the mandate of being the Savior of the world? Let me tell you three things we find in this passage that lets me know the Jesus we worship today is the Jesus who is the Savior of the world. What qualified him to be our Savior? First of all, I'll tell you this. He was qualified because he had to be born of a virgin. The Bible says this, that before they came together, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the story of Mary and Joseph. You probably know this, but you may not. Marriage in this particular day, 2,000 years ago, Jewish tradition was different than it is today. There were, there were multi-processes involved. The first uh, part of it would be the engagement that, that we would call it today. But engagement in Jesus' day was not just a promise of marriage. Engagement in Jesus' day, the betrothal, it was a, it was not just a promise, but it was almost a guarantee of marriage. It was a contract of marriage for, for you to be engaged 2,000 years ago in Jewish life. It would have meant two things had had to have happened. You would have either exchanged a monetary gift or you would have signed a contract and sometimes both. See, when you were engaged in Jesus' day, you were engaged and it would take a divorce to separate the engagement. Although they'd never lived together, although they'd never had sexual relations, although they'd never done anything inappropriate, there was an engagement period that would last typically from a month to a year. A month if you were a widow, a year if you were a virgin. And so you have this engagement period that lasts for a long time, but you live separately and you were not physical, but it took a writing of divorcement to break that engagement. It wasn't just those two people wrapped up in the engagement. It was two families wrapped up in the engagement as well. And you were supposed to be absent just like you are today. There should be no sexual relations outside of marriage. And the same was true today. It would have been scandalous to have had any sexual relations outside of marriage. It would have been very scandalous for uh, the woman to have become expecting before that. So the Bible says this, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that, he, that she became pregnant while she was engaged to Joseph, she became pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that pregnancy. There was, it was, it was the child of God and there was nothing sexual about it whatsoever. That supernaturally, the seed of God was placed into the womb of man, Mary, and it was the son of man and the son of God. And Mary, when she conceived, Jesus was still a virgin. And the Bible tells us, I won't go into the Old Testament passages in Isaiah, but the Bible tells us, it's quoted here in Matthew, the Bible tells us that he had to be born 
of a virgin. No normal man could have been the Christmas man, the Savior, the Jesus. Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Let me give you two reasons he had to be born of a virgin. Number one, he had to be born of a virgin because he had to be the God-man. See, Jesus had to be not just man and not just God. He had to be God and man together. We call that the incarnation. That is, Jesus had to be man so he could identify with us. He had to be God so he could redeem us. Jesus was not, get this, half man and half God. Jesus was 100% man, and he was 100% God, and that only works if Mary was the mother and God was the father. He had to be God and man. And the reason Jesus had to be born of a virgin, I'm going to talk about that in the second point, so that he wasn't touched by the sin nature. And so it was Mary was his mother, so he was all human. And God was his father, and he was all God. And so when you put those together, we call that the incarnation. That is why Jesus alone qualifies to be our Savior. But not only that, he had to be born without a sin nature. Now, I don't want to weigh too far into theology here, but original sin is, was passed down from Adam. In Ephesians 2, the Bible says that you were born dead in trespasses and sin. As a matter of fact, it says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all have sinned. That is called, uh, without getting too technical, that is called federal headship. We were under the federal headship of Adam when we're born into this world and we have an earthly father. But Jesus did not have an earthly father. And because he didn't have an earthly father, he, is, he was born without the same sin nature that you and I have today. Because had he been born with the same sin nature you and I have, he would have been born uh, uh, on his way to hell just like we are. But because he was both God and man, he could not only represent us to the Father, but he could redeem us to the Father as well. He had to be born of a virgin so he could be God and man. Listen to me, nobody else could have been our Savior. He was our Savior by birthright, and it was Jesus and only Jesus. And I don't care how great a man may come along. I don't care how fantastic of a man may come along. If they are not born of a virgin, if they are not God and man, they cannot be our Savior. Queen Elizabeth passed away in September 2022. She became queen in 1952, 70 years on the throne, the longest reigning monarch ever. She survived 15 prime ministers, and this is the stat I love the most, 81% of the residents of the United Kingdom weren't alive when she was crowned queen, 81%. This is the succession photo for the throne in the United Kingdom. You'll see here King Charles III was first in line. And, and then it goes, it goes down from there. The line goes to William, Prince of Wales. Uh, Lord help us, Meghan Markle's over here somewhere in the, in the, in the line. And, and then it goes, it goes from William, Prince of Wales. It goes to his son, Prince George 
of Wales. Now, if somehow this whole, this whole line was wiped out, it'd go back up here to Anne. And, and if that whole line was wiped out, it'd go to Andrew and so forth and so on. But here's the line of succession. And so when Queen Elizabeth died up here, her natural successor, successor became uh, King Charles. Let me tell you what they didn't do. Let me tell you what they didn't do when she passed away. They didn't vote on the new king. Why didn't they vote on the new king? Because it was his right by birth. Listen, when it comes to Jesus being our Savior, we don't get to vote on a Savior. It's not a popularity contest. It is Jesus' right by birth. Why? Because he was born of a virgin. No one but Jesus. And when you hear the world declare another Savior, when you hear the world say, well, Muhammad saves or Joseph Smith had the right plan or idea or Buddha is the way to go. No, it is not. Why? Because it had to be somebody born of a virgin. Can I tell you this? That limits the candidates, doesn't it? That limits the candidates all the way down to one. How do we know Jesus is our Savior? Because our Savior had to be born of a virgin and it was only Jesus. Number two, how do we know Jesus is our Savior? Because our Savior had to be God in the flesh. I've already talked about this a little bit, but look what the Bible says. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, Jesus would never use that name as an actual name. He was always called Jesus, but it became his role. It was his title, so to speak. He was to bring God's presence to earth. What was the role of Jesus? It was to bring the presence of God to us. It was God bringing heaven to humanity. Now, in the Old Testament, heaven would occasionally come down to earth in the form of the Holy Spirit. And what would happen in the Old Testament, we're told over and over again in the Old Testament, time and time again, the glory of God would come down. The Spirit of God would come down. That was heaven coming to earth. Well, we saw it, for example, in the temple. The Shekinah glory of God came and rested on the mercy seat. And uh, we saw it when the glory of God was on the mountain and Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. That was the heaven coming to the earth. That was the presence of God temporarily coming down to earth. Uh, why temporarily? Because none of that lasted. When the Shekinah glory of God dwelled on the mercy seat through Israel's sin and eventually left, the glory had departed. That's why they wrote Ichabod. The glory of God is gone. We see it come on people from time to time. We even see it come on characters like Samson. Samson, the spirit of God, the Bible says, came on Samson. He would be victorious. That was the presence of God. That was the Holy Spirit of God. That was heaven coming to earth for just a short moment or for one particular thing. We see it come on David. It would come on David when going to battle, even when he play an instrument. The spirit of God would descend on David, but it was the temporary presence of God on earth or the temporary presence of heaven on earth then we see this prophecy in isaiah chapter 7 therefore the lord himself will give you a sign see the virgin will conceive have a son and you'll name him emmanuel why emmanuel because it means god with us well why is that important that's important because 
Because Jesus came, the New Testament says this, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Do you know what happened when Jesus came to earth, died on the cross for our sins? The New Testament model is because of Jesus is not the Holy Spirit occasionally comes down. The New Testament model is the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, lives in you. See, the Bible says this, that when Jesus died on the cross, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, that the veil in the temple, what was the veil in the temple? The veil was what separated the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the glory of God from man. The, the, the high priest could only go inside that veil one time a year to offer sacrifices on the mercy seat. But the Bible says this, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom. Now, why is that significant? Because that veil was 20 feet tall. That veil was so thick a fabric, it could not be torn in two by a team of horses pulling in a separate direction. What did that signify? Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, God himself looked down from heaven, took his hands and rent the veil in two and said, because of the sacrifice of my son, the spirit of God, that is the presence of God will always be with you from this point forward. And that only happened because of Jesus. God with us. We went from occasionally feeling the presence of God to being able to always feel the presence of God. There's a big difference between occasionally and always. What, would you, what do you prefer your electricity to occasionally work or always work? What, what do you prefer? Your, your, when you turn water on in your faucet for it to occasionally work or always work? What do you prefer out of your spouse for them to occasionally love you or always love you? My, um, uh, back in the day we lived in Chatsworth, there was a meet and three place there that we loved. I won't call the name of it since we have online church and people that attend from Chatsworth, but they'll, they'll amen me. They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Back in the day, it's gotten better now, I've heard, but back in the day, there'd be a restaurant in Chatsworth you just love to go to. They were known for their meat and three and some pies they had and all that, and every now and then we'd get a hankering for fried chicken, and they had posted hours, but the posted hours meant nothing. <laughs> Waste of a piece of paper. Because you'd show up when they're supposed to be open, and there'd be a sign on the door that said, we didn't feel like working today, we're not here. And that's not what it said, but it's, it's basically the same, we're closed. You never knew if they were open or not. And I'll be honest, when you get a hankering for fried chicken, you get a hankering for fried chicken, right? Nothing else satisfies. And you'd show up at this restaurant, and sometimes it was open, occasionally it was open, sometimes it wasn't. There's a big difference between occasionally and always. What Jesus did when he came 
and died on the cross for us. I, I showed you this verse last week, but can I show it to you again? Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money. He himself has said, Jesus has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. What does he mean by that? He means the presence of God is always with us. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. No one but Jesus could be God in the flesh. That means no one but Jesus can uh, uh, is, is God incarnate. No one but Jesus can be our comforter. No one but Jesus can be our conviction. Nobody but Jesus can be our God. Why? He's always with us, God in the flesh. Muhammad won't work. He's dead in the grave. None of the other names will work. God is always with us. Number three, we know he's Jesus, our Savior, because number three, he had to fulfill prophecy. Look, look what it said in Matthew, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now, close your Bibles. I want you to, I want you to look at the screen for a minute and because uh, you, you need to see some of what I'm going to put up here. Um, you might not can read it. Maybe you can. Barton Payne has found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that somehow point to or describe a reference to the coming Messiah, 574. Alfred Edersheim found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah or times of the Messiah. Conservatively, so you take those two numbers, you see, conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry, 300. Now, what are the chances of that? The probability, a mathematician figured this out, put it in a book. The probability of Jesus fulfilling eight of the major prophecies is that number. That's one in a hundred quadrillion. Now let me put that in perspective for you because I need visual images sometimes. Imagine you had enough silver dollars to fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars. And you had all those silver dollars in a big airplane, and you took one of them and put an X on it. And then you spread out those silver dollars over the state of Texas two feet deep. And you blindfolded a man and pushed him out of a plane with a parachute over the state of Texas somewhere. And told him to pick up the coin with the X on it. He has the same chance of picking up that coin as Jesus did fulfilling eight prophecies. Eight prophecies. You say, preacher, that's an impossibility. That's right, it is. Which is why Jesus is our Savior. He just didn't, wasn't a good man. Jesus is the Savior of God for mankind. And when the old devil creeps up into your mind and starts making you doubt whether Jesus can save, starts making you doubt whether Christianity is real, start making you wonder if Jesus is the only way or if living for Jesus is worth it, you tell him to go find a silver dollar in Texas somewhere. Because Jesus didn't just fulfill eight. He fulfilled 300 prophecies conservatively. 
One final number, because I just want to put it in perspective to you this morning. The odds of you winning Powerball, no matter the size of the pot, are 1 in 292 million. Chances are not good. However, you would win Powerball 342,465,753 times before you could fulfill eight prophecies of the Messiah. It's why we say only Jesus. Only Jesus. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Savior. There is no other King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Christmas man and there is nobody but Jesus. Do you stand with me across the room, heads bowed, eyes closed? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. All I wanted to do this morning was take a few minutes and tell you Jesus is the only way. That means two things for you today. Whether you're at Rossville, Ringgold, I mean Rossville, Rock Spring, Dalton, online, wherever you may be watching, listen, if you're in a room, heads bowed, eyes closed, here's what I want to tell you. There's some of you here this morning, you're listening to my voice, and you've been struggling with whether or not you ought to be saved. As a matter of fact, the devil did this to me, he'll do it to you. He'll creep up into your mind and he'll say, well, how do you know Jesus is real? How do you know Jesus is the only way? How do you know Mormonism isn't the way or, or Islam isn't the way? I'll tell you how you know. There's one Christmas man. His name is Jesus. I'd, ra- I'd rather put my bet, so to speak, on the one who filled, fulfilled 300 prophecies that brought heaven to earth that was born of a virgin. I'm going to go with that guy. If you're here this morning, you're not a believer. You're listening to my voice. You're watching me. You're not a believer. Listen, there's a reason Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no man comes to the Father but by me. He could make that claim. He is the Christmas man. Have you trusted him today? If you haven't, you can do so right now. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. And truly, uh, this time of year, we think about the greatest gift ever given, and it's Jesus. And no one could do what Jesus did for us except for Jesus because of his sinlessness and because of his virgin birth all of those things makes it possible for him to be our savior and maybe you've never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning it begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God you've got to be willing to admit that You've got to believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again, conquering sin, 
death and hell for me and for you. You've got to believe that. And then you've got to confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart and you need to give him your heart and life this morning, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus uh, came to pay the penalty for my sin. He died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And Lord, right now, I put my faith and trust in you. I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning and you meant it and your intent is to give your heart and life to Christ, we want to celebrate that with you. And so if you would, uh, click on the, the link that we've just dropped in the chat box. It says, I commit my life to Christ. Um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions when you click on that link. And um, we want to connect with you and help you take next steps. Hey, it's been awesome to worship uh, with you this morning. Um, I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.